Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to the creek. I'm going to join with Sarah and just say we're glad that you're here. It is name tag Sunday. But you have to be careful of some of the names people write because I think some of you are putting different names. Like one that said Batman that was scratched through and then it said Bruce Wayne. Come on, Bruce. Or how about my mom was classic. Uh, she was always in business and she, uh, her name is Trevor and she would always introduce herself as Trouble. And say, hello, my name is Trouble. And so some of you could wear that because you are Trouble. Uh, so I, she's got Alzheimer's now, but she still remembers that. So there's certain things you will remember, okay, when you walk down that road. But I thought the funniest one was, hello, my name is your next girlfriend. And so uh, who was that? Raise your hand. Just kidding. <laughs> well, today we're continuing our series on the good life. I want to start with something funny. I heard about this country preacher. He was looking for him a necktie to wear, and he was back in the closet, kind of going through, trying to find a necktie to wear for church. And he found a little box, and he looked in that little box, and there was three eggs in that box, and then a stack of $101 bills. And he thought, what's up with that? So he asked his wife, said, what, what's up with this box? And she was kind of like embarrassed a little bit and said, well, here's what, uh, over the years, uh, when you preach the bad sermon, I put an egg in the box. And he's thinking, well, I've been here at the church 30 years. That's not too bad. Three eggs. And uh, then she said, well, he said, what about the $100? She said, well, every time I got a dozen eggs, I sold it to the lady next door for a dollar. So if you see Patty out peddling eggs on the street corner, just let me know. Well, we are excited about you being here. And this is our final week. And we believe that you can have the good life. Um, And for us, the good life is about loving God, loving people, and serving the world, or understanding that you have a purpose and that you're here to make a difference. I think there's three important days in your life. The day you are born. Secondly, the day that you are born again. And the third day is the day you discover that you are what you were born to do. Because you see, you have been created in God's image and God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Here's the point. You were made by God and you were made for God and you were put here for his purposes. You were made by God, you were made for God and you were put here for his purposes. And until you understand that, life is not going to make sense. Over the next... uh, few minutes, I want to introduce you to four people. Three of them are from the Bible. And I'm going to tell you their stories and what you understand that you'll know them as great success stories in the Bible. However, they didn't start out that way. In fact, each one of these individuals that I'm going to tell you their story, um, you may scratch your head and say, how did they get to where they got to? How did it happen for them? And I believe their stories are going to speak to you because some of you can relate to that. Here's the first one. The first one, the picture is Moses. I guess they're waiting on me to say it. Maybe they're not waiting on me to say it. And so, um, nope, I thought I saw a flash. 
So this is what he looks like. He's about this tall. He's got a beard. And so in a minute, in a minute you're going to see that because we've got a great team back there doing that. Yeah. Let's say Moses, Moses, Moses. We took that picture out in the backyard. Um, but that's Moses. Now, do you know his story? Now, Moses' story was interesting. He was born during time when uh, the government did not uh, appreciate there being so many Jews in the community. And they wanted to stop the spread of the Jewish race. And so the government said, uh, we're going to kill every baby boy, Jewish Hebrew boy, that is two years old and younger. Well, at this time when this edict came out, uh, a, a young mother named Jochebed was pregnant. And she was pregnant and she gave birth to her baby. And she was trying to hide that baby just like a mother would do. But there came a point where she couldn't hide it any longer. So she found a waterproof basket and she put Moses in that basket and she went and put him in the river near where the, uh, the Pharaoh's daughter often went. And she went and hid over in the bushes. And sure enough, the Pharaoh's daughter came down and heard Moses crying or heard the baby crying. And she took Moses out of the water, took the baby out of the water. And she gave him the name Moses because Moses actually means I've drawn you out of the water. And so this little baby grew up in the palace and he really became the prince of Egypt. And so many of you have seen the movie and you know the story. Now, as he grew up in that palace, in Pharaoh's palace, uh, he knew he was a Hebrew um, of descent and he was working around all the Egyptians. But he started to notice how the, uh, the, uh, the Israelites, the Hebrews were mistreated. And it started to irritate him. And one day he was out in the fields and he saw an Egyptian soldier mistreating uh, a young Hebrew man. And he stepped in and said, you're not going to do that. And a fight ensued and, and Moses ended up killing that Egyptian. Well, news got out what had happened and, and Moses got scared. And so Moses had, went out into the desert and uh, lived in the desert, ran away for, for 40 years. Now, I am sure that at this point in his life, he is thinking that I can never be used of God. I can never make a difference because I have made mistakes. I've I've done things wrong and God could never use me. He thinks like some of you think. You think because of the mistakes that you have made in your past will keep you from making a difference in this world. And so you carry around this, this weight, this, this guilt, this shame, saying, I can never be used. That's what Moses was doing. But then one day he was out tending the, the animals, and he noticed a bush over there that was burning. Now, typically when a bush catches on fire, you'll see the fire blaze up, and then eventually it will burn itself out. But not in this case. This bush that was burning continued to burn and burn and burn. And it caught in his eye. And he went over there. And when he went over there, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, Moses, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. And then uh, through this, God called Moses to go back to Egypt and set the children of Israel free from slavery. God gave him a call, said, this is your purpose. But Moses said, wait, wait, wait a minute, God. 
We pick up the story in Exodus chapter 4. And he started to give God all types of excuses why he could not be used. Look at it here. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. You mean you want me to go to Pharaoh? You mean to talk to him? No, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor, nor since you've spoken to your servant. And I am slow of speech. I am slow of speech and I am and slow of tongue. Next verse. And, um, and so he starts to say, and the Lord said to them, who gave you uh, the, your human beings their mouths? Who made them deaf or who made them mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, says the Lord? Now he's saying, go and I will help you. Now God is saying, go and I will help you do that. So it's interesting here, uh, Moses is trying to give his excuses of why he could not be used. But God says, you go in the strength you have. You go and I will help you. In other words, use what you have and God is going to touch you and he will make up the difference in your life. And so what we see here is Moses did that. He went in God's power and what happened? He set the children of Israel free and they led him out to the, the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea. He is the guy that went up on Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments. And he led them to the edge of the wilderness um, before he passed on. And so that's his story. But here you see God used the weaknesses, his own weaknesses for something great. Moses fulfilled his purpose, but in doing so, he had to overcome his own insecurities, his own handicap. God wants to take your weaknesses and he wants to touch you so that you can use your weaknesses and God's going to make that weakness a strength in your life. Just trust him. He fulfilled his purpose. Here's the second person. Second person we see up here is a lady and her name is Hadassah or we know her as Esther. Now what's her story? What's Esther's story? Now Esther, her parents uh, were excited about this baby being born, but but her dad died while her mother was pregnant. And then when it came time for this baby to be born, Esther's mother, or Hadassah's mother, uh, died during childbirth. So here you see this little baby girl is an orphan. And she's given over to the care of her uncle. Her uncle was Mordecai. And Mordecai raised her and his family. Well, it came, uh, some things were going on in the country. Uh, the king had somewhat of a short fuse. And when the king spoke, you had to respond to the king's word. But there's a problem. The queen did not respond quick enough to the king's word. And so instead of going to marriage counseling, he just took it upon his hands. and He just killed her. And so there was a vacancy in the queen. There's a vacancy in the palace. And so to fill that vacancy, they said, we're going to have a national beauty contest. And here Hadassah was handpicked to be a part of this beauty contest. And whoever won this beauty contest would become the next queen of Persia. And so she went through 12 months of beauty treatments. And the day came where she won that uh, beauty contest. And they changed her name from Hadassah to Esther and Esther meant star. Okay. As she is uh, in the palace there serving as queen, there's an evil man named Haman that came up 
And Haman was irritated by all of the Hebrews or the Jews in the community again. Very irritated. And he said, I've got to do something to, to get rid of all these Jews. So he started crafting laws or to present to the king to eradicate all the Jews from the community. And Mordecai heard about that and went to Esther and said, Esther, you've got to do something. You've got to take a stand. For God has ordered your footsteps. Here's how he actually said it in Esther chapter 4 and verse 14. He said, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arrive, uh, arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. Notice this. He said, if you remain silent... He's saying, Mordecai's saying, Esther, you've been placed in this position for a purpose. God has his hands on your life. And if you remain silent, God's going to raise up somebody else. But who knows, could it be that you've been placed in this position for such a time as this? Esther, if you don't do this, you may not fulfill your purpose on this world because you've been placed here for such a time as this. And she spoke up. And God eradicated the evil Haman out of the picture and this Jewish race stayed strong in the community. Here's a third one. The third one is a young uh, boy named David. Most of you know his story. David was a, uh, the Bible says he is small and he was ruddy of complexion. He was not the good looking kid. And at this time, the, uh, Israel was having, uh, being challenged by the Philistines. And so they were at war. So all of David's brothers went to the, the uh, front lines. But David didn't go because David wasn't allowed to go because he was the small kid, the ruddy kid, the, uh, and so forth. But he had a responsibility of taking supplies to his brothers on the front line. So he would take uh, meat and cheeses and bread and so forth, and he would take it. And one day while he was taking supplies, uh, they were sitting there on the precipice. And then he heard the, the voice the voice of a Philistine named Goliath. And he said, I defy the armies of Israel and the armies of the Lord. He said, choose a man. He said, send somebody down here to fight me. And whoever wins this fight, the rest of the army will bow down to them. And so they have uh, heard this taunt day after day after day. And David is looking at her and saying, hey, why aren't y'all doing something? Why aren't you doing something? And everybody was shaking in their boots in fear. And finally said, I'll do something. I've killed a bear before. I've, uh, I've killed a, a wild animal, uh, wild animals before. I can do something. And news got to the king that David, this little shepherd boy, was going to go fight Goliath. And the king brought him in and said, here's what you need. If you're going to do this, you need to put on the right uh, uniform. You've got to have the breastplate. And you've got to have a shield. And you've got to have a sword. And he put them all on, on David, but it was just too heavy for him. It weighted him down. And he finally said, I can't do that. And he took off that. He had to be comfortable in his own skin, in his own uniform. And that's a message. When you are going to live out your purpose, you've got to be comfortable in your own skin. You cannot wear somebody else's uniform. 
God has a uniform designed for you. You cannot wear somebody else's uniform. And that's what David did. And he walked out there and he had in his possession a sling and five stones. Now, some preachers have said the reason he had five stones is because he heard Goliath had four brothers. But I don't know. That could be the truth, but it may not be. But here's what we do know, that he took that sling and he... uh, let that stone go and it hit him right in the center and the Goliath fell down and he went and cut his head off. Now, at that point, he was lauded and praised throughout the region and the king, Saul, invited him into the palace and, started, and took care of David uh, because he defeated Goliath. You know the story, God anointed him not only just to live in the palace, but God anointed him to be the king of Israel. And while he was the king, Israel spread out his borders like never before. To this day, if you would go to Jerusalem right now on January 28, 2018, do you know what they call Jerusalem? They call it the city of David. So that tells me this little ruddy kid fulfilled his purpose and now People in 2018, they look back through the generations and they remember this city and they call it the city of David. This is more than a fairy tale. This is true history that today the nation of Israel looks back uh, to David's reign as the high watermark of their existence. Now, here's the point in Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. It said, now, when David served God's purpose in his own generation. He fell asleep and he was buried with his ancestors. Had served God's purpose in his own generation. God has a purpose. God had a purpose for David. And God has a purpose for you. That leads us to the fourth fourth picture. And that fourth picture is a silhouette. And that silhouette represents you. Because God has a purpose for you in this generation. God has a purpose for you in this generation. He's created you. He has formed you. You're special. There's no one else like you in the world. He's given you gifts and talents and abilities. And he wants you to use these gifts, talents, and abilities for a grander purpose. Here's the fill in the blank. God does not want you to be an imitation of someone else. He wants you to be the original that he created you to be. God doesn't want you to be an imitation. He wants you to be the original that he created you to be. In Ephesians chapter two and verse 10, he said, we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance. We're God's workmanship. We've been created in his image. Why we've been put here. We've been put here to do good, to do good works. Now we are not saved by the good works that we do. We are saved by grace and we're saved by faith. But God places us on this earth to do good works. All of us uh, are to give something back. We're not made just to be uh, consumers. We're made to be a contributor. And God has called us uh, to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared things in advance for you to do. God has a mission. He has a purpose 
for you. And I believe that when you start to discover that and you start to sense that, that the moment you get involved in that, you'll walk away from that experience and you'll say, I was made for this. I was made for this. Have you ever felt that? That you are just made for this. Here's the point. You were put here to serve God. And the way you serve God is by serving other people. You were put here to serve God. And the way you serve God is by serving other people. We're all meant to give something back. We're all meant to make that contribution, to use our our talents and gifts to make a difference in this world. So that's us. Do you know that you have been shaped to serve? You've been called to serve. You've been saved to serve. And God uses who you are to do his work. God has shaped you in his image. So I want to take that acrostic shape and this has been done probably for 30 years in, uh, in, uh, in the Christian circle, uh, just to try to explain God's purpose in our lives. And we're going to take the word shape and we're going to look at each letter because each letter helps us understand how we're wired up. And if we can understand how we're wired up, then we can truly fulfill the destiny and the purpose he's created us to be. So God's going to use you and he's going to use you, first of all, through spiritual gifts. God has given each one of us who called Christ our Savior, he's given us a spiritual gift. When you're saved, you're given a spiritual gift. Some have two and three or four spiritual gifts. And you have this spiritual gift. That is a supernatural ability um, uh, that God gives you, a divine enablement. You say, what are they? I'm interested. I want some. Well, you can read through Romans chapter 12. You can read through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can read through Ephesians chapter 4. And their list here. Uh, you can go online and say spiritual gifts assessment test. And you can uh, take a, an online assessment and you can see where you, uh, where you fit and the gifts that you have. But here's the truth of the matter. For most of us, we'll read these lists of gifts and we'll say, that's me. That's me. That's me. You know, it could be that, that you have this gift of hospitality. And, and when uh, you are serving people and you're opening your home, you're opening a conversation that you feel like I was made for this. Or maybe you're, you're wired up with this gift of teaching or administration. Or maybe you've been wired up to be an encourager. Or maybe you have this gift of evangelism. Or maybe you have this gift of, of generosity. Um, last week or so, Patty and I were at a restaurant in town and, and, uh, we kept on waiting for the check and we asked for the check and the lady said, Oh, there's another guy, uh, that was here earlier that, that paid for your check. And, uh, we looked around, didn't see anybody that we knew in there and, um, anybody that we knew in there that would do that. Okay. <laughs> and so we looked around and what I, I understand is this guy had a gift of generosity He said, I want to do something about this. I want to do something for somebody else. And and he he did that. So uh, this afternoon, we're going to Longhorns. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. And so uh, whoever it is, thank you. The Sunrise Grill was awesome. I had an omelet. It was good. Thank you. But anyway, what what was going on inside of him as he is sitting there, uh, he said, I just want to do something. I want to give back. 
And he chose to follow that prompting. You know, God's going to prompt some of you this week. Prompts you're going to do something. And that's that spiritual gift. And when you do something, you feel God and you feel like that is good. I feel good when I do that. And so we're talking about making a difference here. We're talking about uh, when we start to understand the good life is that when we're flowing in being the person that we have been created to be. And God has shaped us with spiritual gifts. But secondly, he's given us a heart. And when I talk about heart, I'm talking about not just the physical organ here, but I'm talking about having a heart for something. Maybe a better word is having a, a passion to do something. You know, you're, you're passionate about something. Um, I heard about uh, a survey that they did with the 500 TED Talk presenters. And when you ask these presenters on the t- TED Talks, you know, what is the secret of success? In your world. And the number one response was when a person has passion, that is the secret to their success. And so we think about that, having a heart to do something. You know, some of you have been given a heart. You've been given a heart for the unborn. You've been given a heart for uh, young people. Or maybe you've been given a heart for Alzheimer's or elderly folks. You've been, you have this heart for something. God has shaped you that way and he has given you this heart to do that, that that passion to do that. So the question is, what is your heart for? I hope it's for Christ and his church, but how are you going to use that heart to serve Christ and his church? Now, some of you, you have this heart and you have this passion and you use that heart and passion in the career that you have. And so you have this heart and uh, and passion, and that has taken you down the road to this career uh, that you have. Now, others of you, you look at your career and you don't have a heart and passion, but you, you understand good economics. You understand that I get paid to do this service. And that's good too. Okay? So here's what I want you to think about. Your career is what you are paid for. Your calling is what you are made for. Your career is what you're paid for. Your calling is what you're made for. That you do that calling and you said, I was made for this. It's like when I do this, I come alive. It's like my heart explodes in me because you have this heart and you have this passion. We're talking about your shape here. And I'm really saying, I want you to get in shape. Oh, but it's not going to hit the gym, but it's about rolling up your sleeves and, and serving Christ in his church. The next letter in this acrostic is A, and this A represents abilities. Because you have some natural, innate, God-given abilities. They're just natural to you. For instance, let's say you're around a bunch of kids and they're 10 years old. And you say, okay, you need to burn off some energies. Let's have a race. If you're a parent, you've done this before. You've got a group of 10-year-olds and they're just pulling your hair out. So let's have a race. Everybody can go to the fence and come back. And uh, let's see who makes it there first. And you said, one, two, three, go. And they take off running. And everybody's running together. But then you see one guy who is ahead of the pack. And he touches the fence and he heads back to you. He's way uh, ahead of everybody else. And when you look at that kid, you say, wow, he must have been in the gym working out. Wow, he must have a trainer. No, he's 10 years old. He's got this natural giftedness to be quick. 
He's swift. He runs. He's fast. It is a God-given ability to be fast. Now, some of you have that God-given ability with numbers that you can see numbers and you can put numbers together. Some of you have that God-given ability uh, with processes. Some of you have that God-given ability with colors. My wife, Patty, is very unique. When we um, redecorate a house or an office or so, or even a church, she'll typically come um, and she'll go and she has these color wheels. I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds of colors and she'll study those hours after hours and, and then she'll pick several out and, and we've had painters tell us I don't know if I would do that and then and when she has her magic and puts it all on the wall even the painters said man this is incredible because she has that gift to see and match colors what is your gift what is that ability that natural ability that you have what are the talents and the abilities that you have or, and how are you using that here's why it's important. Because I believe that as you use those natural abilities, people will notice. And that, uh, when they notice, it will start a conversation. And that conversation may lead you to an opportunity where you may say these words. Why don't you come to church with us Sunday? You see what I'm saying? It all goes back to that be nice to people. Be nice to people. And that it starts that conversation. Well, your natural abilities can start that now, that conversation. So that's S-H-A. Here's the P. P stands for personality. God has given you a unique personality. Some of you are introverts. Some of you are extroverts. Some of you make decisions by thinking, logical decisions. Others, you want to feel your way through that. Some of you are, are, are intuitive or you're sensing. Um, some of you uh, prefer processes. Some of you want to fly by the seat of your pants. It's, that's all a part of your personality. Do you know God has given you this personality? And that's a part of your shape. And that's a part of you operating in your sweet spot. It's a part of you discovering how you were really made to, uh, to be and to do. I was made for this. So you look at your personality and you need to get in a place where you, uh, that personality uh, can function. For instance, if you are afraid of people, you're not called to be on the... Uh, first impression team or the greeter team. That's okay. We don't need everybody on the greeter team, but we need, uh, and you may be called to, to crunch numbers or, you know, to dot every I and dot and cross every T. I had somebody, uh, between services says, when you started talking about dotting I's and crossing T's, you're talking to me. Because that's how you're wired. That's your personality. And so I just want you to understand that we're all different. One personality is not right and one's not wrong. We look in the Bible at Peter and Andrew. Peter and Andrew, they were brothers and they both had a gift of evangelism. But what do we know? Peter had this ability to talk in front of large crowds. He would stand up in the multitudes with there and he would share the, uh, the message of Christ and, um, and multitudes would come. But then Andrew had that same gift of evangelism. But in the book of John, you'll see how he brought small groups. He brought individuals to Jesus. Both of them were operating in their spiritual gift of evangelism, but they were using their personality to accomplish their mission in life. And so what... Does my personality best suit me to do or to serve? Now, here's the final one, E. 
And E stands for experiences. All of us have had experiences in life and different things. God will use those experiences for his purposes. It may be that you have an experience where you are um, given the opportunity with your company to travel across America or maybe even travel across the world. And you're traveling across the world and you're working with companies, uh, uh, maybe in Central America, you're working in countries in Europe and, and so forth. And all of a sudden, those experiences, when you come to, to church and we talk about world missions, you have a different viewpoint of world missions than those of us who do not go out of the country. That's an experience that God's going to use. Now, you may have other experiences. You may have experiences in a certain field or you may have other experiences in a certain school or an education. You may have medical training and God will use those experiences. But you know what? God will also use negative experiences. He will use your divorce. He will use your bankruptcy. God will use a disease. God will take these negative things and he will turn them around and he will bring something positive out of them. That's how God works. And when you understand why you were made, what you were made for and your purpose, God puts that shape that spiritual gifts, the heart, the abilities, the personality, and those experiences. Several years ago, Bart Mallard, uh, who is a member of Mercy Me singing group now, uh, but when he was 19 years old, his dad died unexpectedly. And it was a very tough time for Bart. And, you know, people would come up to him in the grieving process and they said, oh, you know, he's in a better place. But saying that to a 19-year-old that will never see his daddy again, it's, sometimes it's hard for those words really to take root. Or people would come and say, oh, can you imagine what he's doing now? Oh, I bet you he's up in heaven doing this. And so to help get through that grieving process of his dad, Bart picked up a journal and started writing it down everything. When somebody would say, oh, I was thinking about your dad. Uh, can you, uh, and I wonder who he's talking to right now in heaven. Bart would write that down. And then he'd put this, well, I can only imagine. And then he would say, somebody else would come up. Oh, I, I would imagine your dad is doing this. And he would write that down and he, for a year or so, he just journaled all of his thoughts and feelings to try to process the grief of losing his dad. He put that journal away. Nine years later, he picked up that journal and he read through that journal. And there's a recurring theme. I can only imagine, I can only imagine I can only imagine. After reading through that journal, he sat down and in five minutes wrote the song, I Can Only Imagine. God used the pain of losing his dad and that process of that grief and he turned it around and did something good with it. In fact, it became the song of the year. In fact, it became the song of the decade. And in the second week of March and, and a few weeks from now, there's going to be a movie out, I Can Only Imagine, based on that story. Here's the point. That was a negative, painful experience. But now God is using that not to touch thousands, but to touch millions of people. 
God can use you wherever you are in whatever state you find yourself in. For you have been created for a purpose. Over the next few minutes, as we pray, just say, God, I hear you. And I'm willing. You see, God is looking for people to use. God knew that you're going to be here on January 28, 2018. God knew that. God ordered your footsteps. You could have been born in the third century. You could have been born in the 12th century. You could have been born in 1885. But God chose you to be born in this generation. God knew that you were going to be here. And so God is calling you. God is calling you to come to him. And God is calling you to be the person that you have been created to be. And that begins by saying, God, I surrender and I submit my life to you. Take me, mold me, and make me into what you'd have me to be. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful this day for your blessings upon us. Let your presence rest upon this church and let the words that are spoken today, let it go deep in our hearts and let us remember this message and let us do more than remember, but let us take the, uh, that step where we roll up our, slave, uh, our sleeves and that we do something with our lives. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.